Gentlemen, this is Roofers and Shakers. What's up, everyone? Groovers and Shakers is back with episode 32, The Electronic Freestyle Mix, with special guest DJ Abel. This is your host, Aldo Speaking. I'm joined by my co-host, Adam 45s. It's Sunday, September 27th. We are broadcasting from Long Beach, California, every last Sunday of the month. On today's show, we were supposed to have another guest, but something came up last minute and he couldn't make it. No worries, we still have DJ Abel, who's going to drop a dope set for all you listeners. So all you break dancers, poppers, and pop lockers, get ready to bust out those dance moves and keep it locked on Groovers and Shakers.
Hip hop. 
somebody. Fourteen days is not enough to get to know somebody. Roofers and shakers, roofers and shakers.
Still in a no parking zone. If you don't get a move on that body, I'll be forced to give you a ticket. So get with it. The 
hacia arriba, disfruta las cosas buenas que tiene la vida. Un descanso en el camino, una botella de vino, un suspiro, una mirada, una alegre carcajada, una cara en el espejo, un amigo, un buen consejo, un viaje en barco velero, aunque no llegues primero, un caballito cerrero, que no corra por dinero, un palmar, un riachuelo, un pedacito de cielo, mira bien alrededor y verás las cosas buenas, que la vida es un amor, olvídate de tus penas. Oye, abre tus ojos, mira hacia arriba, disfruta las cosas buenas que tiene la vida, abre tus ojos. Welcome back to Groovers and Shakers. This is your co-host Aldo speaking, and you're tuned into episode 32. That was DJ Abel bringing you that dope freestyle set, and he's here with us right now. I don't even know where to take it after fucking seeing that crazy goodness madness over there going on, man. I, you know, I, I know. I don't know where to go. Aldo, Adam, Groovers and Shakers, I love you guys. My name is DJ Abel. I just want to let everybody know that this is a good thing right now. If you guys are tuned in, this is a very positive and good thing. I'm sure you guys have been tuned in for the last few weeks. And I just want to say it's a it's an honor and a pleasure to be on this show with you guys. You guys are doing the do, representing Long Beach and everything else, California, and America, worldwide, planet Earth, everything. So thank you guys. Appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Your set was actually all 45s. Do you collect other formats of music other than 45s? I, I used to collect a lot of LPs and 12 inches, but due to some lack of space, I, I decided I had to part ways with that. I also have a laptop, so everything's in the hard drive. Everything's been uh, saturated out, from, extracted from all of that for the last 10 years, digitized mm-hmm. into the hard drive. Um, but aside from that, I also cherry pick and I get MP3s from other friends and things like that. On the digital realm, it's it, you're able to kind of get the bird's eye view, you know, of, of anything you might want. So there's that. And so with that, I didn't feel a need to really hold on. I don't need to own my friends to say I know them. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I don't feel I needed to own doubles of Les McCann's layers, even though that's an incredible album. I had them and... I just felt it's time for somebody else to help. Yeah, I see what you're saying. When it comes to digital DJing, what changes do you make when it comes to doing your sets on a digital platform as opposed to vinyl? I mean, for me, it was I. Uh, there was things that I did on vinyl that I needed digitized. So there was, you know, I, I I brought the recipes that I had from the mixes that I did on the analog side to the digital side. And so none of that really changed. What you hear on the digital side is kind of what you would have heard me do in high school. I've been doing it since then. Some of these blends that I do, or even some of the mashups that after this recording that you guys might hear later on my band camp or something else down the line, because I have ambitions of that, 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 you know, those are things that I used to do on two pieces of separate wax in high school, the mashups. I used to put... Um, uh, Born American, Sending My Love over um, Method Man, Mary J. Blige, Puff Daddy remix, instrumental. You know, things like that, and they work. But, you know, if you put them together in Ableton, then you ain't got to put the two together and you can just play the song. Since you have been playing this type of music for so long, what was it like for you back in the day, 
back in the 80s, hearing this music for the first time, and how were you exposed to it? Um, it was a couple of different things. I mean, when we're talking about like uh, hip hop in general, or like a sampler, that was probably the Sesame Street when Herbie Hancock was, was on with the Fernlight. And the next one would be when Stevie Wonder was on the Cosby show with the same Fernlight in front of the Cosby kids. Um, well, that Herbie Hancock one, though, the interesting thing about that is Tatiana Ali's in the, in the crowd. She's like nine years old or eight years old. From Will Smith, right? From Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, yeah. yeah, yeah. You watch, the Herbie, Prince Hancock, Bel-Air, yeah. watch the Herbie Hancock on Sesame Street where he's showing the keyboard. It's almost the same thing as uh, the Cosby Kids with Stevie uh, a couple years later. And so for me, that and then a combination of that and then like Owner of a Lonely Heart by a Yes... It was the first time you would hear and then Art of Noise came out shortly after that. Um, it turns out Trevor Horn did the the, the, the yes. Yeah. And then he did Art of Noise and then he did help Thomas Dolby out with some things and and, and all of that going forward. And then um, Malcolm McLaren with um, Duck Rock and, and Buffalo Gals. And so that that's what that's, you know. That's what that's about. Everything kind of just um, sampling in, in general. You know what I mean? It used to be very expensive. Um, Peter Gabriel, uh, uh, Stevie Wonder, and all of them used to own these fern lights. And they're essentially a sound card, a computer, and a MIDI keyboard. But they were like $110,000. God damn. You know what I'm saying? And when you buy a sound card, a computer, and a keyboard now, it costs a fraction of that. And that's what, uh, if you guys watch the documentary of Security by Peter Gabriel, he talks about this. He goes, all of this stuff is crazy and innovative right now, but in a few years, this will be cheaper. Yeah. It'll be a lot cheaper because things move forward, things progress. Yeah. Now, I want to I talk a little more about your history. Um, you know, can you tell the listeners where you're from? Hey, um, I'm Abel. <laughs> I'm a Libra. I enjoy long walks on the beach. My phone number is... No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm from Cerritos. I, uh, that was an interesting experience, to be sure, because from there, it was kind of a... When you live in Cerritos, because it's right there on the borderline of LA and Orange County, yeah. you, you kind of can teeter from one side and see the other side. Yep. If that other side is a little too much for you, you just <laughs> bail out. Um, I'm not going to talk about what side I had to bail out of, but yeah, anyway. Well, the reason I bring it up is because, you know, now I know a lot of local DJs within the LA area most have heard of DJ Abel. If, if they didn't catch you spinning at a local gig, more than likely they had their turntable fixed by you because you seem to be the turntable guy that everyone goes to to get their tables fixed. I, 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 want, I want to explain, first of all, where that came from. I, I, first of all, when, I, when people say, oh, Abel's a turntable guy, I have to credit DJ ICI's and CeeLo's from Stacks because, I mean, before that, I was kind of telling people about it, but I mean, I only got as far as, how, as, far as I could. But I got to give those guys a lot of props because I came to the record store. They hired me at the record store. They didn't know I fixed turntables. But I Which was record paid. store was that? And it was Stacks Vinyl. Stacks Vinyl used to be in Cerritos. The one used to be one in IE. used to be one in San Diego and Lemon Grove as well. So that was something that happened around 2002 uh, with the first spot. And then, you know, it went till about 2007 and then everything kind of closed and the interesting thing is that once the brick and mortars from that era closed, uh, generally speaking, right. um, then the homie Robbie, who used to throw these b-boy events, figured, hey, let's throw a record show like more for our generation. And then the beat swap meet came. And that is 
like between the combination of stacks and me being part of the beat swami because i was already fixing turntables at stacks robbie was seeing me fixing turntables at stacks and said hey you need to come fix turntables at the beat swami when we start doing this event and so i've had the good fortune of being a part of the beat swap meet since the beginning till now. That's also how I've able to accumulate as many clients as I have. Other person I want to also shout out is like Miles Tackett. He had me uh, uh, 10 years ago come fix the turntables over at the Echoplex. Ever since then, like, you know, there's, they got eight turntables there and they, they, use, they, they use and abuse yeah. them every night during peacetime anyway. And so I was, you know, I was there four or five times a year and making sure the turntables worked. And then that evolved into me going to other venues, being being up and down Sunset. And it, everything's just been a blessing, man. All I've ever tried to do is just you know, fix your turntable and give you a fair shot because I know how that feels because I'm a DJ myself. For sure. That kind of thing. And that's why I'm trying to come at folks. Like, I'm not trying to sell up. I'm not trying to, like, if you don't need your RCAs replaced because your, your head shells are dirty, you know, like, I'm going to tell you that. And it's not going to cost $100. It's going to cost 40 bucks. You know, that kind of thing. Right. And I'm throwing numbers out there. That's not actually <laughs> what it is. But you know what I mean? I want nobody calling me on. Hey, you said you were. No, so I'm just throwing numbers out there. Like, that's You're trying wrong. to hook people up, basically. No, well, no, it's simple as this. The less that's wrong with your turntable, the less I charge. Right. And I try to, like... Be fair. Be fair and yeah. keep that on that. Because sure. I feel like that's some karma-ish. Huh? Oh, anyway. for sure. Appreciate since you, that. Since you do work on turntables, a lot of people out there might be assuming that you have a really flawless setup at home that you practice on and things like that. But is that the case? What is your setup like at home? I mean, just recently, I, I managed to get everything right. But I mean, there was a point back there where like, I even like stripped my own turntables apart just to make sure like people were good. You know what I mean? Because what am, I, what am I really in this for if I can't? You know, and the odd, the odd thing was was that every week I always had a pair of turntables. It just was never mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. I was able to practice still, but it was because I had someone else's turntables. Yeah, I made them sure. work right, and then I spent hours on them. Do you right. find that it is harder to pick up parts for techniques since they're discontinued and everything? Okay, so here's the issue on that: is that ten years ago, around 2010, techniques uh, as a company as a whole, I think it had something to do with the tsunami. Perhaps I'm not entirely sure. But the parts became unavailable. And then that's a domino effect after that. You know what I mean, that happened in 2010. And the, the reason why it became a problem maybe eight or nine years later is because they built three and a half million. Three and a half million Technique 1200s from 1978 till about 2010. Wow. And 14 variations. And most of the variations are actually compatible with each other. So to some degree, it does make the Technique 1200 the AK-47 of turntables. Do you have a preference when it comes to models of techniques? Um, the ones they made the most was the MK-2, the silver ones. They made mm -hmm. those from the, the, you know, from 1981 all the way out. Um, so there's some variations uh, inside of it that only your service guy would know. But you know what, though? I want to tell everybody out there right now, I mean, as much as the parts have been really unavailable, we're working on the tone arms right now, but I am happy to report that the pitch controls are back. The pitch controls are back. I mean, and I say that because anybody who's been trying to get their turntables fixed in the last two years, getting their pitch controls out of line, uh, I'm sure repair guys have been like, oh, yeah, that's $400 yep. to get your pitch control replaced. I've heard and that before. Only, and that's only because they stopped making them 10 years ago and they ran out of them. But I'm happy to report that... Um, uh, Jesse Dean has um, 
managed to figure out how to aftermarket the OEM spec pitch controls and made them. God bless that guy, man. That's dope. I mean, he does stuff for the portable scene, but right now he's about to step up and do things, amazing things for the for the 1,200 guys. Because let's face it, guys, there's three and a half million turntables out there. Are we going to just sit there and act like those things don't exist? Right. You know? Oh, no. So this is where the aftermarket comes in. And... I'm praying and I'm hoping that we're going to see a, at the very least, uh, the tone arms come back. That's what I'm hoping for. You know what I mean? Because with three and a half million out there, you got to figure everybody owns two. So there's at least a million and a half DJs out there that own 1200s. And in California in particular, as far as I know his stats, the average owner owns around four to six. Oh, wow. What happens is, is they buy two initially, then they run around and then they see two and hey, those are four hundred dollars. Four hundred dollars, yo, I'll take those. Yeah. And then now they have that a that is a good deal. Now they have a pair at home and now they have a pair to travel with. Nice to have a backup. You know, know what I'm saying? And then sometimes they might even find another pair. And then that's why I say four to six. Right. I've seen people that have definitely more than two. Right. Within um within regards to your set, uh, one thing I gotta say that I really admired about it was just how technical you get with it. You know, earlier you touched a little bit on the mashups, but you know, you do, you get into the juggling, the scratching. There's just a lot of technicality when it comes to your sets. And I know when we talked off air, you know, like everyone else that's currently going through this pandemic, you mentioned that obviously you're not doing any DJ gigs and whatnot, but are you practicing these types of skills at home to keep up, you know? Cause I mean, that yeah, set you did I mean, was just flawless, man. When, when, when you, well, that's not. I messed up on a bunch of things, but the cool nah. thing was when you guys go back and hear that, like, oh, he messed up, and then all of a sudden, two seconds later, it's on beat. So yeah. I was able, at least able to parry that. So I just want a disclaimer. I have no, if I may, I have no ego on me, man. Like, oh, no, you're that good. Was, that was a cool set, but it could have been tighter. So, But with that being said, though, um, like, I, I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to do these things, you know what I mean? Like, straight up and down. But... I, yeah, I've been, I've been on for the last six months. I've been, you know, trying to work on the MP, you know, um, been trying to uh, just focus on what I'm trying to do musically. And I don't really don't want to speak too much on it because I, I really want people to hear the end product of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I may, but I, I appreciate you bringing that up. No question. And we are listening to one of your beats right now. That's what we're talking over. He's been looping up the track as we speak on the fly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this MPC for the last six months has been, you could either read a good book or learn an instrument. Yeah, that's how, true. How has the, uh, I think when we were speaking off air, you mentioned that for the last 10 years, you've been on Ableton and you just got this MPC six it, months ago. So how's that transition been for you? So yeah, 10, 10 years ago, I, I got a laptop and the laptop was revenge for all the equipment I could never afford. Because uh, let's face it, back in the 90s, the same person price as an MPC 2000 XL was the exact same price as a pair of turntables, a mixer, and speakers. So once you've done that already, once you've raised up that money to just at least get the turntable, mixer, and speakers, but you have ambitions of making music and you have to turn around and do all of that over again, that's an, that's another hurdle. You know what I'm saying? So when Macs became dual core processors and Serato came out with the SL3 box in you know 2009 or 2010, all of a sudden, the time became right you know, for myself to get a computer, get Serato. And, you know, I worked at a record store. I wasn't in a rush to get Serato necessarily. But then once I got it, then I was like, oh, man, now I got a laptop. Now I can go get a, a DAW. Now I can, like, so which one should I get? And I was on Serato, and Serato and Ableton were doing this mixtape thing. 
So I was like, okay, well, by default, my name's Abel, and I'm going to get Ableton. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, that's not. Um, but yeah, Ableton was kind of, when I saw it, I realized it was kind of an easy thing to work with, you know what I mean? It's very user-friendly. It's extremely user-friendly, absolutely. I would have to agree with that. Producing and DJing are similar in a lot of ways, but also very different in a lot of ways. Producing for me has always been a lot more relaxing because you're just kind of on your own fine-tuning things. Is there something that you prefer about one over the other? Um, Producing compared to DJing? If I may, like, I was already trying to loop things early on. I was got, I got had I had gotten samplers right around the same time when I started DJing. I had a synthesizer and tape deck and an Audis AM100 mixer, that type of thing. Um, so I was I had ambitions of being a producer early on anyway, but I was kind of restricted by what I could actually do or per se. So DJing was kind of a way we could, hey, let's go DJ this party and maybe we could save up and get some equipment, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I was rapping too, actually. Yeah. And that became useful, even though I don't technically rap still. But when I produce for people, I at least know like how the MC feels. I mean, that's true. So, and, and that's that's important. I mean, if you dabble, dabbling is cool because then, you know, when you are around those other people, you'll know how to ask the right questions. I wanted to ask. Uh, so these past couple months, obviously, uh, a lot of record stores have closed. Just within the past, maybe like a month or so, things. Record stores have been opening. A lot of them are doing like appointments. How are you getting your dig on lately? Um, it, I, I can't front. I mean, most of it has been online because as you should for for health reasons. Yeah. But I, I want to acknowledge something real fast. I mean, the, what is the difference between being just buying stuff online versus actually going out to the brick and mortars? Is the relationships you build with the people that you're actually out there either digging with or buying from? That's sort of the difference. I mean, you can expand on some email-ish with your Discogs buyer or what have you. And in a rare occurrence for myself, that happened. But that was because a buyer actually moved to L.A. A boy, Funk One. Funk One, we love you, bro. Milk Crate Mondays. Milk Crate Mondays. Yeah, so, so he moved from Chicago to L.A. And he set up shop over here. And I introduced him uh, you know all the other vinyl fiends that we had on Monday night, and he was just like a crack dealer at the, <laughs> at the Carver. You know what I mean? And um, and and it was amazing because like what he had, not a lot of people had. So when you know when you find a dealer that can kind of change your life off a small stack, right? You know what I mean? Because you got some things in there that aren't in any record store in LA. Period. Right. You know that's a special dude. So, and in all respects, I'm not, no knock to anybody else. You know what I mean? All respects to my other dealers out there. You know what I mean? Everything's everything. But I mean, he was somebody that, like, when somebody actually comes to see your life and comes to your night, right. makes sense of it all. You know what I'm saying? So, enough respect to my man Funk One. Funky Monkey Records over on Discogs. That's my man over there. Big you know ups. And word up. Big up. Well, once again, Abel, we just want to thank you for coming down, taking the time to drop that really dope set, man. We really appreciate you coming through and blessing us. Um, before we get out of here, though, I do believe you're going to close out the show with one one more of your beats, right? <laughs> I, I'll give you guys a little something, 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 and, and, and we'll make that happen like this. Check it out. All right. Just want to remind everyone you can catch Groovers and Shakers on Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts, as well as GrooversandShakers.com, where you can stream all of our previous episodes. Please don't forget to rate our show. We're out of here, and we'll be back next month with a brand new episode. Until then, peace. Peace.